I've got my work cut out for me today because I really have to follow a great sermon from last week. I heard a lot of people talk about that. God really spoke a lot of things. Uh, more than any time that I can remember, I heard so many people say that message was directly for me. That's where I want to pick up this morning. We heard a great message. That's not enough. Got one amen. We heard a great message. That's not enough. It's not just what we hear. But here, here's the question is, what are we going to do with what we heard? What are we going to do with that? So that's, that's where I want to pick up. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a parable about, uh, about a sower planting seed. And, and uh, then the disciples come to him later and say, now explain this to us, Jesus. You know, and to me, I think, you know, they're, they're kind of dense because they don't get it. But I've had it explained to me so many times, you know, I guess that's why I think they're dense. But so Jesus starts explaining it to him in verse 14. He said, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. So he's letting them know, okay, this is a, a metaphor kind of a thing here. Go ahead. All right. So he's planting seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So these are like people who hear but don't listen. Do you know it's possible to hear and not listen? If you've got kids, you know it's possible. You've seen them. They hear you sometimes and they don't listen, right? Yeah, they can, maybe can repeat exactly what you said, but they're still not listening to it. And God's got some children like that too, amen or oh me. So these are those who hear but don't listen. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, just like we received that last week with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Okay, so these are kind of like the ones a lot of times that David was talking about last week. You know, a lot of us, most of us, most of us in this room would never be, would, would never be bothered by like, or even be a candidate or possibility of being possessed by a spirit of, uh, of addiction or like to uh, maybe to a chemical or to porn or whatever. Most of us wouldn't be, wouldn't be a possibility in any way of us falling under possession of some kinds of spirits like that. But I think we could come under, a lot of us sometimes come under that spirit. David kind of preached about a, little, a lot last week. I heard her kept, kept saying this over and over last week. She talked about a shutdown, kind of a shutdown spirit. And I think sometimes a lot of us are like that second group of people that, that everything's good for a little while, but a little problem shuts us down. And so I think that's what David was talking about last week a lot. And a lot of us, we, get, we have to deal with a shutdown spirit or, or, because, or because we get persecuted for believing God's word. Say, well, there's not even persecution today, is there? Uh, yeah. Has anybody ever asked, do you really believe that? Are you crazy? Are you, yeah, then you're being persecuted. Just that question of asking you and what's behind that, that's the beginning of persecution. And when you begin doubting, and then you are. And some people then, that shuts down where they're going, okay? Third group of people is on the next slide. Uh, the next bit of this, the seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. Okay. So these are the people that, you know, it's all going really well, but then they've got so many distractions. Is anybody too busy today? Has anybody got too more too, got to do, got too much to do more than you can get done? And the distractions of life get in the way. 
you know, I hear the word and I go, oh yes, and I'm going to do all this and, and never get it done. That's these people, okay? Still, there's a problem. There's no harvest being produced. But there's a fourth group, he says. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept or listen. They hear and they listen. They accept God's word and they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Now, Jesus is probably, most people think Jesus is talking here about, uh, is talking here about evangelism. So he's talking about us hearing the word and about us uh, uh, really taking it in and about us beginning to produce fruit in others and others come to know Jesus. And so he's probably talking about that. But let me remind you that the law of sowing and reaping is not just about evangelism. The law of sowing and reaping is about everything because the Bible says in several places, whatever a man sows, that he's also going to reap. So that even applies here. So he's talking about not just evangelism, but he's also talking about, you know, your blessings, your hopes, your dreams, the things that you need, you know, the, the, the problems that you have in life and the answers that you need for all those things. So your harvest of blessings and of miracles and of power, it rests on this. And, and you know what? It, it doesn't rest on the seed because the seed is God's word and God's word is always good. Can you say Amen. God's word is always good. Last week was good. I hope this week's good. I know the God's word part of it's going to be, right? God's word is always, so it doesn't. But the harvest depends on the soil. And you are the soil. And you get to choose. You, you choose which ones of those four types of soil you're going to be. The ones that, that hear but don't listen. The ones that hear but, but they have too many distractions or, or they have too many problems and or they're the ones that hear and then the distractions get in the way and they can't get everything done. And there is still is no harvest. Even, even those as close as they get, there's no harvest. Only the ones who hear and they listen. They accept it and they get something done with it. You've got to choose because your, your, your harvest depends on it. You've got to choose that I'm not just going to be a hearer of the word, but I've got to be a doer of the word also. You've got to go beyond that. Okay, so this morning, I am really preaching for life change this morning. I preach for life change every Sunday, but I am truly preaching for life change today. I am daring you to change your life. I am daring you to let, let God say, this is what's wrong. This is why there is no fruit. This is why there is no harvest. This is what you have to change so there can be a harvest. This, you're going to have to start planting this stuff into your life and accepting and letting it grow and nurturing it all week long. I'm, I'm really preaching for this. And I, and I know I'm going to jump back on my horse again and I'm going to be Don Quixote all over again today. Because I'm, I'm going to be tilting at the windmills of culture. And if uh, you need to go back to literature class back in school, tilting at windmills of culture. I mean, Don Quixote was tilting at his own windmills. I've got this windmill of cult these windmills of culture that I am constantly dealing with because today people, even people raised in church, still don't, still don't necessarily know all the scripture and, and they get everything mixed up with the stuff that culture is saying. So let's look at culture. What is culture? Here, culture defined is the beliefs, customs, arts, etc. Da da da. All of it, of a particular society, group, place, or time. A particular, particular meaning that 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 culture is different in this time than it will be in another time. 
that it's different in this place than it will be in another place, that it's different for this group of people than it will be for another group of people. Culture changes, and not just over time, but in, in, in places. I mean, you, you go to, not just a, you don't have to go to a foreign country, go to another state. Culture is different. You don't have to go to another state. Just go to another part of, uh, of Jefferson County, and you will see culture is different. Drive an hour north, and you'll be in the Amish community. Culture is different. Culture changes. So, so culture, since it changes, culture cannot be our source of truth. It absolutely cannot be. The only source of truth there can be, we, we can't rely on culture to give us truth. The only source of truth is an unchangeable God. That's our source of truth, and, and that's, that's the place we have to go for truth. And if you're going anywhere else, and, and listen, we're getting, we're getting so much of our truth from our culture. I mean, you know, they put it on Facebook, it's true, right? You know, they post it on the, I mean, you can't put something on the computer and in the, the internet if it's not true, is it? And we get this and we take it for granted. Now, can I, can I say something? Quit embarrassing yourself by sharing stuff before you check it out, see if it's true. Okay, uh, please do that. All right, so, you know, I, I really, I really want to catch you guys, stop you guys on some of that, but I don't want to embarrass you even more than you're embarrassed. You know, quit doing that. Quit assuming everything you hear, everything you see, everything around you is true. God says, and here's the thing, is God does not change. And God is not blown away by culture. And when culture says this is true, this is true, God's not blown away by that. But what he says in Romans 12 too is, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't, don't allow yourselves to, to become part of, of the thinking of this world, but, but let your minds be transformed into, into, the, into the minds of God to have the same mind as Christ had. Don't be, don't be uh, conformed to the things because if you conform to the, the truth of this culture, you're gonna constantly be conforming because it's gonna change and it's gonna change and it's gonna change. It's constantly ever-changing. One, one, one of the problems that, that, that we have in our culture is, is the lack of commitment. There's no commitment. And one of the reasons there's no commitment is there's nothing to commit to. I mean, you know, because truth is going to change in a few days, you know, weeks or something. Somebody else is, you know, going to rise to power in the presidency, and all of a sudden, truth is going to change. I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing truth change in such, and I'm talking about cultural truth, not real truth, cultural truth. And we see it change constantly over and over and over. Let me, tell you, let me, let me say something to you about commitment right here, because I don't want to talk to you specifically I mean, really, let's talk about your God commitment, about all of your commitments. Let me read the scripture to you, set this up. 2 Kings 2, verse 1 and 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Here's what's going on. Elijah is, was is considered one of the greatest prophets ever. In his time, he was considered the greatest prophet ever. Uh, and there were a lot of other prophets. And Elisha, he kind of connected with him. Elisha was one of the other prophets. And there was actually even a school of prophets and, and uh, you know, the, that they studied and, and they prayed together and, and those things. And Elisha was one of those. And Elisha wanted to be the successor to Elijah. And he asked him, he says, I, I, I want to be successor, using the term that the phrase that I want a double portion of your spirit. And 
Elijah said, prophesying over him, he said, here's how it's going to be, Elisha. If you are with me when I am taken from this world, if you see it happen, then you will be my successor. You will have a double portion of my spirit. And that's why Elijah said, when Elijah says, when Elijah says, stay here and go with me, Elijah's already made up his mind. I am not leaving his side. You know, it's not just this moment, but it's, it, it would be the rest of his life. He had already decided he was going to be by him, and he had to stick with him. If Elisha had taken just a coffee break, so let me just run down to Starbucks and just get, you know, get a cup of coffee. If he had just taken a coffee break, he could have missed his opportunity, but he was there, and he saw Elijah leave this life. And when he saw Elijah leave this life, then he also got the double portion. He became, he became the great prophet in Elijah's place. Why? Because he didn't take a break from his commitment. I mean, one of the things I can tell you is, is a lot of what we mess up with in our lives is we take a break from our commitment. We're committed, man, we're there, we're all of it, but then all of a sudden we take a little break. We say, well, I got, you know, and we take a break. You can't afford, I mean, we're, we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about football games and stuff like that. Big deal here in the South. That's not what we're talking We're talking about your life. We're talking about your marriage. We're talking about your kids. We're talking about your future. We're talking about your harvest. You can't take a coffee break from the commitments you make. And, and these days, man, commitments. I mean, nobody wants to make a commitment. I, I think a lot of it is, you know, I, I don't want to commit to doing this because a better offer may come up down the road and I want to be ready to do that and, and, we, and we don't want to commit. You need, you need to make some commitments and then honor your commitments. Show up when you say, I, I, got, a, I got a friend from all back in uh, middle school, high school, and, and uh, he was actually the best man at our wedding and, and uh, he, he's got a lot of sayings you know, that, that some of them come out of me every once in a while. But I don't think I ever use any of them really seriously, honestly, because I don't think any of them are right, <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know? And one of them is this, just sometimes I, I would ask you, you know, I'd say, hey, aren't you supposed to be going somewhere or su- such and such place and somewhere or doing this or didn't you say? Or you did? and, and this is one of his, he'd say, he'd say, yep, but they'll know I'm not coming when I don't show up. Yeah, and you know what? There's a lot of people like that today. Is they'll know when you make a commitment, and, and listen, I, I didn't say this the first service. This is not in my notes, but it just, just came to me right here. I got to share this with I've shared this before, but I got to share this with you. Is listen, when you speak your word, stand by your word. Because your word, you're sowing your word. And when you're sowing, you're sowing word that does not stand with commitment, you're going to reap that. And what you want to do is you want to be able to be able to speak and to call and to pray things down. And if, and if your word don't mean anything, if nobody else can listen to your word, then what about God? Is God listening to it either? You need to make sure. So on, I dare you. Here's my first dare of the day, okay? I dare you to honor your commitments. And I'm not just talking about the big ones. If you make a promise, stand by it. If you, if you give somebody your word, stand by it. When you tell someone you're going to do it, then do it. Commit to something and honor your commitments. Okay, so I did all this scripture right here so that I could set all this up, and I got a lot of stuff to say, and this, this was the first third of the message, and I spent about half my time that I wanted to spend here, so I might, I might have to hurry a little bit more than I was planning on hurrying. Here's what I want to talk to you about. Here's what I've got to talk to you about. I've got to talk to you about cultural truths. Because we don't know what truth is anymore. I preached about truth a couple of weeks ago, but I had to break that sermon up to come back and to share some more truth with you, okay? Because we get, even Christians, we're getting the Word of God confused with what culture is telling us, okay? So let's start, let's just kick it off. Start right here. 
is, is that the Bible is just a book of suggestions. I mean, that's one of the things the culture wants to tell us is you don't have to live by that. You know, it's got some good stuff in it. Read it, you know, but just understand it in its context. It was for some other people. Probably isn't relatable to your life very much. You know, you don't have to worry about that. There is no, you know, you don't have any repercussions. You don't, if, no matter what you do, you don't have to worry about it. Just do the best you can because even the Bible says work out your own salvation, right? So just go work it out. No, that's not what that means. That's not what that means. Just, just, just go work it out. The Bible does not just contain the truth. It is the truth. Here, here's, the, here's the way to say that. I guess, guess if you think about this. There was not a whole lot of truth, and God said, mm, that's good. And he said, let me put that in my Bible. That's not the way this thing happened. God said, let me give you the truth. Here it is. The Word of God is the truth. Okay, here's the second one, is that we all worship the same God. Oh, now you're, you're trying to draw lines and everything. No, I didn't. I'm not drawing the lines. I'm telling you about the line that's already been drawn. Because here's the way you'll hear people say it, is that, is that God is called by a lot of different names. And I started to give you a list of a bunch of names, but I'd leave some out or I'd make somebody mad or whatever. Let me just tell you something, okay? There's, people say God is called by a lot of names, and he doesn't really care what you call him as long as you worship him. I'm sorry, not the God of the Bible, not the God of Jehovah, not the God that most of the people of this world believe is the God, okay? Because what he says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And if you back up to verse 11, you will find out that he is talking about Jesus, that there is a win. So the God of the Bible, he says, no, I am not called by any name you want to call me by. As a matter of fact, if you want salvation, you have to call on my son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. And so uh, you'll hear all this out in the culture, but if you're, if you're not really sticking with Scripture, you're going to start saying, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, God, God, what's, God don't really care about names, but he cares about names because the name is the title of the person, and that's why he does care. Let's go, what's, what's our next culture? Truth. Blank is the answer. You know, according to whatever the problem is, culture's got your answer. You know, and it changes. It can change. Man, the, the answer today is different than the answer yesterday, and there's going to be a different answer tomorrow. So fill in the blank. You know, whatever your problem is, there's a different answer for that. You know, you're not happy in your marriage? Divorce is the answer. That's what this world is telling people. And i got to say this. Listen, there's a lot of divorced people in this world. There are divorced, a lot of divorced people, a lot of divorced people sitting in this room. We're not talking about people. We're talking about the attitude of just go get a divorce. That's what we're talking about here. And there's, there are people there sometimes that somebody, because of abuse or things, that people have to get divorced or, or infidelity that, that, that causes divorce. And there are some people that, in this room, and they'll just tell you, I've been stupid, I was stupid, you know, and I had to pray over some things, and God's forgiving me, and we're, we're rebuilding life, or rebu rebuilding this, and all. but we're not talking about those things. What I'm talking about here is this attitude that we have that just go get a divorce. Or, you know, you didn't plan to get pregnant, Abortion is your answer. You got problems? Meet me after work. Alcohol is your answer. The, this culture has thousands of answers for your questions. And the problem is, just about all of them are wrong. 
And the Word of God gives you one answer for every one of your problems. If you, do we want to stick the, the right word in there? Stick the name Jesus, because Jesus is your answer. Whatever you're dealing with today, whatever you were dealing with yesterday, and whatever you're going to deal with tomorrow, Jesus is your answer. And he always will be your answer. He is always, but culture will, take, culture will just come up with it because you know what's going to happen? It's, it's going to fall through for somebody. It's not going to work for somebody, you know, uh, abortion or, or divorce or something like that. And so they'll come up with a different solution for you tomorrow because it didn't work for them or whatever. But, but God has this one answer. But what we do and what we've done in our culture is, is we have chosen the cheap, the quick and the cheap. Uh, I'm sorry. Is that my next? Yes. We've chosen the quick and the cheap and the easy over the strong, deep and the meaningful. Stop right there. Don't read the rest of that just yet. We've chosen cheap, quick, cheap, and meaningful. We want quick, we want what's quick, we want what's cheap, and, and, and what's easy instead of the strong and the deep and the meaningful. So here's what we've done as a culture. We've chosen divorce over commitment. We've chosen abortion over responsibility. We've chosen legalization over self-discipline. We've chosen personal liberty over selflessness. We've chosen political correctness over righteousness. That's what we've chosen. We've chosen and we, we're choosing, as a culture, we're choosing the wrong things because we're choosing easy. We're choosing quick. We're choosing a quick answer, a quick solution. It's not working for you, boom, jump over there. Kill that baby. Kill that marriage. Kill it in some alcohol today. Kill all that sorrow in some alcohol today. We kill it. Look, look at the things on the left side of the screen right here. We've chosen divorce, abortion, legalization, personal liberty, liberty political correctness. And what we have done is we have, we have thrown aside commitment, responsibility, self-discipline, selflessness, and righteousness. The very things that the fiber of our country were founded upon, we have thrown them away for the quick, cheap, and easy answers. We, we're no longer founded on the things that, that, that Scripture is found. And listen, and I'm not going to rewrite history for you and, and tell you that all of the founding fathers were awesome Christian men that never sinned and, and never had any... No, they, they made a lot of mistakes. They, they were sinners. They, they, they did, had a lot of things that I'm sure they had to talk to God about. I mean, we know some of those things. But what I'm telling you is that, is that still they had this understanding that these things, these quick, cheap, and easy answers are not the things that are going to grow a great nation, a great family, or a great man, or a great, or a great lady. Those are not the things, but these are the things. Commitment and responsibility, self-discipline, selflessness, and righteousness. Those are the things that we used to know that were truths that would build a great nation, great families, great kids, great adults. But we no longer believe that anymore. We choose the easy and the cheap. So let's get in just a little bit deeper here. Our next one. Pornography is private. It doesn't hurt anyone. That's what culture will tell you. Because now, you know, when I was in junior high school, middle school, for those of you who are uh, still in school today, when I was in junior high school, do you know how pornography got distributed? A little boy would sneak into his dad's room and go into that hiding place and sneak that magazine out and put it somewhere where nobody could see it and sneak it into his lunchbox or something and sneak it to the to school that day and then sneak it around, pass it around to all the people that wanted to see it and sneak it and sneak it. And then, then he would have to 
do all that backwards and sneak it back home, sneak it back into the house, sneak into his dad's bedroom and sneak it over to that special hiding place and sneak it away and sneak it and sneak it. And you know what? You don't have to do that anymore. Every person who owns a smartphone has pornography right in their hand. Every one of us. As you walk around, you're walking around with pornography because all you got to do is just a couple of clicks, just a couple of clicks. And so, you know, it's a, it's a private thing now. It's hurting nobody. Maybe it'll slow you down. Maybe, maybe I'm talking cultural truth here now. I'm not talking about real truth. Okay. Y'all do understand. It it won't hurt you. It won't hurt you. Just go ahead. And it won't hurt anybody. Even if, even if it slows you down, even if it messes up your relationships, even if it messes up your marriage, it's it's not going to mess up anybody else because now you're just leaving this incognito mode, you know, you know, and you you click on that and, and nobody can even check your history. You know, it's not even recorded. You know, you don't have to go back in and delete it later. It's private. Nobody, nobody is hurt by pornography anymore. Nobody's hurt. You know, here, here's, here's what's going on. And I won't, I won't call the name because I really don't want to stir up any more searches, okay? But a few years ago, there was, there was a celebrity who was videotaped in her hotel room. And she was videotaped changing clothes. And so, because she was a celebrity, boom, it hit the internet hit the internet, and, and, and so, you know, there were lawsuits. The lawsuits didn't come around for another year or two. I think about two years later, and the lawsuits came around. Guess what happened? When the lawsuit hit the news stand, you know what? All of a sudden, views of that video, even though it's supposed to be off of the internet, people started searching all over again for that video to see it all over again. When, when that lady was videotaped in her hotel room, her privacy was violated. And every time someone watched that video, her privacy was violated. She did not say, hey, take a picture of me and show the world. Her privacy was violated. And then when the, when the court case came up and people went again to, ch- to see it, every time her privacy was violated. And, and the, the, the stuff that you will see there... You know, if you go and look, every time you look at someone, someone is being hurt or offended. Because here, here's the way this happens. Why would they keep doing that? At, at, at the threat of lawsuits. And just, why would anybody keep doing that? You know why? Because it sells. Because they're advertisers. And you know, if I get enough videos on, you know, and enough traffic coming here, I can sell advertising. And you know what's happening? Here's what's happening. It's when, it's when you get something slips through your filters. You do have filters, right? You do have some kind of filters. Oh, I, I, knew, I knew it was going to be quiet right now, but I hope you're saying amen. We got, fil- we got filters. Yes, 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 we got filters. And if you got kids with cell phones, please tell me you got filters and you're checking those things out. You wouldn't let a rapist slip in to your kid's bedroom. But a lot of parents are turning a blind eye and letting a rapist who doesn't touch them physically slip in to their lives through their cell phones. You better, you better have filters. But if something gets through your filter and you say, boom, there it is, and it's happened. Hadn't happened to me in a while. Filters are getting a lot better. Hadn't happened to me in probably a couple of years now. Filters are getting really good. But when it does slip through, and you know what happened? When you click on that link to go to it, Pastor, you're talking, this is Sunday morning. You, you're talking to, I know who I'm talking to. Because all of us aren't addicted to alcohol and drugs. And all of us don't have curiosity just about alcohol or drugs or other things. 
But when you click on that link, can I tell you something? There is somebody somewhere counting the click. And those clicks add up. And the more clicks a site gets, the more advertising it can sell. And then because of the advertising it can sell, it says, man, if I can get some more clicks. And so now they're looking for another way that they can steal an, uh, the privacy of another celebrity. Or, or, you know, or when, we, when we go and we watch or we rent movies and we rent a movie or we watch a movie so that, that we, can, we can see a young couple who aren't married have sex. And we, and, we, and we see this, oh, well, that's not really why I rented the movie. That's not why I went to the movie. But when we do that, here's what, here's what happens. is because that sells, today now, there are other movies being planned, and, and there are young people, young people, unmarried, or people who are married to other people that are being contracted to come together to, 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 to make movies that you and I will go watch so that they will, have, that they will take off their clothes for us and, and, and have sex for us in movies. You know, let me, let, me, let me take this just another step down. Even if, it, this is what culture th- says, even if it's wrong to have sex with someone who isn't your spouse, it's perfectly fine to watch others do so on a movie or TV screen. And here's, where, here's the, 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 the lie that the Christians are even listening to, is that you would never step out on your spouse. You would never have an affair. You would never uh, go, you know, employ a prostitute. You would never do those kinds of things. But you'll go sit down in front, culture tells you, it's okay to go sit down in front of a movie screen and watch somebody else have sex with someone who's not their wife. Or it's okay to, to rent the movie and watch it on your TV screen, someone who is having sex with someone who is not their husband. And every time we do that, we are supporting. Every time we rent a movie, every time we click on a link, we are supporting the porn industry. Even if it's soft porn, we're supporting this porn industry. And A21, A21 that you saw, and if you don't know, it's on, on, on the, the, the Walk for Freedom that Brent mentioned. Uh, there was something wrong with the website. He was saying, and if you don't know, there's a walk next Saturday. And even if you can't walk, please go check that out. See Lexi. Lexi's really connected with A21. Just went to some training last weekend, I believe it was. Really connected. And, and this walk is, is to bring about awareness. And people say, well, there's, there's no sex trade here in Birmingham. And I said, I said this in the first service that, that, that Homewood has been a hub for a long time. And someone who, who worked in that area tw- almost 20 years ago, they said 97, 90, 98, that's almost 20 years ago, said, said that was the hub. That area and a place up on, on 78 Highway before you really get out of town. They said those were the two places. It, that was almost 20 years ago. Let me tell you something. It hadn't got better. It's gotten worse. It's, it's right here. And, and you know, not, not, not too long ago, a couple of young ladies in, in our area, they were, headed, and they, they were headed somewhere and they didn't even know. But by the grace of God, God let something happen to their vehicle. And a policeman pulled them over. And he said, where are you going? And they told him where he was going. And he told them, no, that's not where you were going. They'll say, what, what you were chasing after, you were about to be picked up by some sex traffickers. And they, he told them what was about to happen to them. You were probably in that area where you were going, you were about to be kidnapped and you were going to be put. And he started telling them how they were going to be kidnapped and how they're going to be taken out, out of the country. And by the grace of God, and everybody isn't getting, isn't getting caught and, and, and stopped like that. And so we, we sometimes look at God and say, God, if you're ever, if you're all knowing and all, all powerful, you know, and all loving, why, why do you allow these things to happen? When, when that guy was filming that lady in that, in that hotel room, why didn't you fry his camera? 
Why didn't you fry his, you know, his, his, his computer so it couldn't go anywhere? You know, so we get really mad at God because God doesn't stop them. But what about us? You know, maybe we need to say, God, if I ever start to click on something, fry my finger before it gets there. Fry my CPU. Tear up my mouse. You know, we want, we want to point the finger at somebody else, but we, we've got to choose whether we're going to be part of the solution or part of the problem. And as Christians, we're supposed to be part of the solution. And we need to, we need to, and some of the, and, and some of you, some of you are near offended at the things I'm talking about today because I'm talking about pornography in church. But let me tell you, there are some, some people sitting by you this morning that have never thought about how this is wrong until they just heard it in church. So that's why it had to be shared today. I dare you. So, so let me go on. That 18 is a magical age. You know, we become, um, we become adults on 18. Can I tell you something? That ain't true. You know how I know? I was 18. I did not become an adult at 18. I might have been legal and I might have could have gotten arrested and my mom and dad not have to come get me out of jail or, or sign for, but I was not an adult. And here, here's, let me say this to you real, real quick because I've, I've got to finish. I've got to close here, okay? Uh, just, um, is, here's the thing. Does it, is, is, is this crazy to anybody but, but Pastor Rick? Is that, is that we... we we raise our kids. We give them all these rules. We tell them, you got to be home by a certain time. And when they're not, we say, where are you? You know, call them. And when they get up, where were you? What did you do? Who you were? All these things. And all of a sudden, 18 years old, they graduate from high school in May. And then we load them up in August and we send them off and with a whole bunch more kids that have not been prepared for adult life to live on a campus somewhere. Is any, does anybody else think this is crazy besides me? Is there anybody else thinking, you know, 67% of sexual assault cases on, on, on campuses are freshmen, two-thirds of them. Now, freshmen are supposed to be just a little over a fourth of the people there, but they're two-thirds. You know why? Because they aren't prepared for the stuff they're going to deal with. Listen, if your child, and listen, 18, yeah, and studies, you know what studies are saying now? Adolescence actually extends into the early 20s. So if your child is not prepared for adult life, please do not send them away from you when they turn 18. Because they are not just, college is not just a place of adult life. College is a place of adult decisions. And adult, I mean, this is a place where, where they are going to have their arm twisted to do things that are illicit and illegal. And if they aren't ready for it, just because... The world says they're ready does not mean they're ready. Please embrace your children a little bit longer. If you babied and mothered them and covered them up too much, please do it just a little bit longer until they're ready to deal with it, okay? So that they don't just, I, I need to hurry. Um, and if you, of course, I got more to say if you want to talk later, okay? Um, what's the next one, uh, Brad? The next cultural truth. We need income redistribution, free college education, and socialism. All right, pastor's going to get political right here. Nope, I'm not. I'm not getting political. I just want to tell you something, okay? Is, do they teach the Tanstaffel principle anymore in economics? Anybody ever heard Tanstaffel? T-A-N-S-T-A-A-F-L? Oh, okay. That's the, reason, that's the reason there are people out there who think that the government can just say, everybody gets a free education and it's going to happen. Yeah, right. Professors are going to show up for free. College is going to stay in business for free. You know, and Tanstaffel, it stands for, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody pays for it. You say, oh, no, no. I just went over to it, and that guy gave it to me. Where did he get it? You know, somebody, your sandwich, somebody paid for it. Somebody raised it. Somebody made it. Somebody sweated. Somebody worked for it. There's... 
Okay, if you hadn't heard of the Tanstaffel principle, you haven't, probably haven't heard this quote from the great stateswoman, Margaret Thatcher. The problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money. That's the problem with socialism. Is, is, it'll go good as long as you got other people's money. But when other people don't have money anymore, that, that's the problem. Here, here, here's the whole issue. It's when church stopped being the church, the government stepped in. When we stopped taking care of widows, and that is one, widows who are widows indeed, that's one of the things that, the, that we are required to do as a church. When we stop people that don't, I'm talking about widows that don't have any family whatsoever, that's what the Bible's talking about. If they don't have, if they don't have a husband, they don't have kids taking care of them, the church is supposed to, when we stop taking care of the widows, when we stop taking care of the poor and the orphans, guess what? The government stepped in. And they said, and so when, 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 we, when we stop taking care and doing the things we're supposed to do, and so they, now we've got laws that basically are leaning towards socialism. And we got a lot of more people here saying, and, and, when, and when parents aren't teaching kids that, no, you got you to gotta go and you got to make it yourself, nobody owes you an education. You know what happens? The government steps in and says, we're going to do, do this. And we, we can do this. Um, let's go on to the next truth because it, it, it kind of connects here. We must preserve the separation of church and state. I totally agree. But what that means, the separation of church and state, what it means is the government needs to quit telling us how we can worship our God. That's what the, that's what the separation of church and state means. It doesn't mean that the church, Christians, can't be a part of the government that Christians can't say this is what, because this is what our country was founded upon. Now listen, I am not making a political speech here today. This was said by a politician, okay? And I, I really hope nobody Googles this to find out who said this. It was said earlier this year, okay? I really hope you don't because I'm not saying this for political reasons today. I'm telling you this because I want you to see where our culture is headed. This, this nation that was one nation under God, a, 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 a very strong political person in politics said this. this this, this year, and deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases have to be changed. Okay, I get it. Deep-seated cultural codes, yes. Slavery needed to end, right? Okay, that, that was way back. Okay, but slavery needed to end. Racism still needs to end. Okay, I get all that. Uh, structural biases, yeah, yeah. If a woman works the same job as a man, she needs to get paid the same amount as a man. Unless she's doing the job better, she needs to get paid better than him. Okay, I, I go along with all of that. But religious beliefs, religious beliefs have to change. This is what a big section of our country is now saying is religious beliefs have to change so that we can have it our way. And, and, and they're not going to stop. This was, ba this was really mostly about abortion. Religious beliefs have to change so we can have abortions, so we can do this. But they're not going to stop there. The onslaught has already begun against the family over the last several decades. And now you're even being told what you can and cannot believe about marriage. And so, yes, I agree. Separation of church and state, but it needs to stay what it, needs to stay what it really means, okay? Uh, let's go on because uh, i got I to hurry and quit. Um, okay. I can go through these pretty quick, so and we'll wrap up. Um, you can fall out of love. No, that's wrong. I, I need that buzzer. You know that nah, wrong answer. You cannot fall out of love. You can choose to love, and you can choose to not love somebody. But you cannot fall in love because fall out of love because love is not something you fall in and out of. If you fell into love, it wasn't love you fell into. You fell into hormones or something like that. Okay, you cannot fall out of love. So what's the next one, Brad? Um, you can be a Christian without church. I know I said this one two weeks ago, but some of y'all weren't here and you needed to hear it. You can be a Christian. How, how? 
When God called you to himself, he placed you in the church. As a Christian, you are part of the church. You need the church. And I'm not just talking about Sunday morning attendance. That's a big part of it. You need to be in a small group. You need to be connecting. You need to be doing something for God. And, and I'm not saying you got to do it at 2911, but you need to be doing it somewhere. You need because you, you can't be a Christian without the church. Because as a Christian, you are part of the church. All right, third, third what's on this screen. Look out for number one. Don't have time to say this here, but this is so anti-Christian. Look out for number one. You don't tell anybody you got extra time, they'll want you to do something for them. That's the attitude culture has today. That's their truth. You know, don't, don't tell them you got a little extra money. Don't tell them you may, everybody, everybody we want something for you. What's the next one, Brad? Um, live life without limits, parameters, or conviction. Boy, everybody's doing that today, and I don't even think, I don't even think our, our, our culture today even knows what those three things are, limits, parameters, and, and, and convictions. I don't even think our, 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 our uh, culture knows what convictions are today. And so we are living life without any kind of structure of like, this is good, this is not good. No, just do what you want. The last one, last one. Uh, everyone else does it. Uh, when I was a kid, there was, everybody else is doing it. That's, that's the way we used to say it, right? Mom, everybody else is doing it. Everyone else does it. Whether we're talking about cheating on your taxes or cheating on your spouse, everyone else doesn't do it. That's a lie. And if you believe that, you're listening to the culture tell you everybody else does it. That's a lie. And even if everybody else does do it, that doesn't make it right. Even if every Christian does it, that doesn't even mean it's right. Because even Christians can disobey and walk in a wrong direction. So yeah, I know I'm talking to mostly Christians in this house this morning. I know who I'm talking to. And so now we've come to my big dare of the day. This is my big dare for you this week. I dare you to live differently. Even if everybody else does do it, live differently. Even if everybody, even if every Christian is doing it, I dare you to live differently. Live differently. Live honest. Live sober. Live give. Yeah, take, take your, uh, bring your phones down here in just a few moments when we come down. This is still going to be on the screen. Take a picture of it. Remember it this week. Uh, live honest. Live sober. Live giving. Live loving others. Live honoring your spouse. Live training your children with consistency. Live serving selflessly. Live with pure conversation. Live committed to something. Don't just float through life. If you float through life, you're going to be changing every day because culture is going to keep, you're going to always be just floating here, there, and never in any stability. Be committed to something. If you're not a Christian, I pray you get committed to God, but if, if, and if you're committed to God, then live that commitment. Honor your commitment. Uh, live as a man of your word and a woman of your word. Let your word mean something and live as the salt of the earth so that when you walk through a room, it's obvious. A child of God, something different has happened in this place because I'm the salt of the earth. His power is within me. His, His Holy Spirit is upon me and within me live as the salt of the earth. I dare you this week. I dare you. And I want to pray that prayer of you if you'll let me. I dare you this week to let the Holy Spirit challenge you every single day this week to live differently. Even if everybody else lived differently. Even if culture says live differently. Would you join me at the front, please? Thank you for staying with me. I, 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 I preached that two-hour sermon in about 45 minutes. So, um, so thank you for staying with me. Would you please come? And uh, come on, first-time attenders, if, if this is your first time, we'd like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song. And if you're comfortable, we would love to have you join us here at the front.
We're just going to pray a final prayer and sing a final song. And we'd love to have you join us. I told you, I told you I was preaching for um, life change. I always preach for life change. I want to see your life change. I, I don't want you to feel better about where you're living right now. If you're living in a bad place, I don't want you to feel better about that. I want to preach life change. I want to help you get to a place where life really is better, where your marriage is better, your relationships are better, your job is better, your finances are better, your health is better. I preach for life change. And listen, no matter what I preach on Sunday morning, whatever your needs are, prayer team is always here for your needs. I didn't say a thing about anybody being sick today, but somebody's sick, please let us pray for you. That's what we're here for. If you've got financial problems or needs or you just need a better job, uh, I'd say over the la last couple of three months, we've had about six people get new jobs. If that's you, man, come down and let this prayer team pray over you for that. You know, if, uh, if, if your kids are struggling at school or with something, a, a bully or anything like that, come on. Uh, if, you, if you don't know where somebody is, they're, they're, they're lost, they're gone, you can't find them or something, you know, anything, whatever it is, regardless of what we preach about on Sunday, please let us pray with you over that. Let me say this. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song, but let me say this just before they do. I want to pray over you. If you've got your cell phone with you, as Brent said, at the very bottom, there's a thing that says, that says next steps. Now, some of you may have taken the e emails from us, uh, first steps. Those were written really for people, new Christians who are just beginning their walk, first steps. We're, we've just developed these next steps, uh, and this is 28 for 28 days. So this is for four weeks. And uh, what I, I dare you, please, Go there on the Sundays page and click where it says next steps. It'll take you a place to sign up for these. So because you need more than just the first steps of just getting started. You need to know the truth. And you need to keep the truth separate from the cultural truths that are out there. And the only way you can do that is to be in the Word and have the Word, you know, explain to you. And, and, and we don't want to just say, hey, go do it. We want to help you do it. That's why we've done this. We didn't do this just because we didn't have anything to do last week or the last month. We, we did this because we want to help you know the truth so you can live the truth. Because when you know the truth, remember from the first sermon, the truth is what sets you free. So I want to pray this over you. I dare, I, I dare, I dare you this week to live according to that last page that was up there just a few minutes ago. I dare you to live differently like that. I dare you. That means you've got to make some tough choices. That means you're going to think about doing something this week, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will just... Say, whoa, 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 wait, you're going to be different, right? Even though that's what they would do, you're not going to do that. Even though everybody else would cheat right here, you're not going to cheat. Even though everybody else would lie right here, you're not going to lie. Even though everybody else would click on that link, I'm not clicking on that link. I dare you to live differently this week. Would you bow with me?